God gave us an incredible gift at Christmas, right? We have his son, which is why we celebrate Christmas. And, and uh, I don't know about your family, uh, but in the next couple of days, I'm sure that you'll probably be giving some gifts to one another, and, and our family is going to be heading up to Massachusetts today and spend some time with family there. And I know on Christmas morning, uh, we're going to have some birthday cake. It's the only day of the year we get to eat birthday cake for breakfast, but we're going to celebrate Christ's birth. And one of the ways that we do that is we actually read from the Christmas story. And, and if you're like our family, you probably uh, bust out Luke and you read the story from some of those passages. But, but we've really been looking at some of these uh, kind of lesser known passages of Scripture that point to the birth of Christ. And so I want to do that right now. Is that okay? So why don't you uh, take your Bibles and let's open our Bibles with me to uh, the book of Isaiah. We're going to be in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 9, and if you don't have a Bible, our ushers are coming around right now. We want you to have a copy of God's Word in front of you so you can just uh, get their attention, or you can follow along with us on uh, the Bible app, uh, but we want you to be there, Luke, or excuse me, Isaiah chapter 9, and as you turn there, uh, we've been looking at one of the symbols of Christmas. One of the symbols of Christmas is a star. Have you been... Seeing stars everywhere you look now? Uh, we're seeing stars all over the place on advertisements, and maybe you've seen the green Starbucks holiday cup with the star on it, or stars on your Christmas tree. We see stars all around us right now because the star comes straight out of Scripture, right? And so to recap just a little bit of where we've been, I thought in the spirit of Christmas I should bring some gifts, and I have some candy with me, and all the kids just woke up. I'm glad you're here. Um, Here's, here's the deal. I'm not just going to give this away for free. I, I need to ask a few questions, all right? And, and so we're actually going to start with the adults. They should know this one. We're going we're gonna to show uh, the kids how this is done, okay? Uh, I'm, I'm going to ask you a question, and you got to raise your hand, okay? So, so we were looking at a star. Remember, first we saw a star in the Old Testament. We saw it from this verse right here, Numbers chapter 24, verse 17, and here's my question, adults, uh, I'm hoping that you remember, uh, who was it that made this prophecy? Go ahead, say it. Balaam. Okay, I'm, I'm really hoping I'm not going to hit anybody this morning. All right, very nice, well done. Balaam. Uh, Balaam was this pagan seer, like, what in the world is he doing? And yet, God spoke through him, and here's the words that he said, Numbers chapter 24, he said, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. I mean, I mean, he's seeing somebody, but he's really foreseeing somebody in the future. And he says, I see a, a star shall come out of Jacob, and a scepter shall rise out of Israel. So he was prophesying of this star who was really a king who was coming. And last week, we saw that it's, you know, maybe probable, maybe likely that God used that prophecy plus... Another star in the sky, we just read about in Matthew chapter 2, to get the attention of the wise men. Kids, you remember the wise men? All right, here's, here's your opportunity to get some candy, all right? I, I need you to raise your hand. If you can tell me uh, one, you only have to tell me one, one of the gifts that the wise men brought. Give you a hint, it's not a Hatchimal or his own personal cell phone or anything like that, okay? It's a lot more valuable than that. I, I need one right here, right here in the red. Yes. 
Gold was well done, all right? Make sure, no, don't hit anybody. Uh, gold for those who have wise investments. Anybody else know? Come, come on, let me see it. Frankincense, well done. That's a hard word. My, my kiddos used to call that frankincense. We were like, close enough. That'll work, that'll work. One more, one more. Myrrh, well done. You got it. All right, all right, here's another question. Ready, ready? True or false, kids, true or false, gotta raise your hands, true or false, the Bible tells us that the wise men were at the manger with the little drummer boy. True or false? Noel. False. Well done. I was going to give you a second chance if you didn't get that right on the first one, but uh, that was awesome. All right. All right. One more question. One more question. Tell me, where did the star lead the wise men? What was the city? Yavin. You remember the city where Jesus was born? You can ask the person. Bethlehem, well done, buddy. Awesome. You guys did a great job. Uh, you can give them a round of applause for getting all of those done. Listen, how cool is it that God would take these wise men, really, they're, they're, these guys are like sorcerers from a foreign land that are steeped in false religion and lead them to this baby who's the king of the Jews. Really, what we saw is this is a picture of the nations coming to worship Jesus because Jesus is the king the world needs. But what I want to show you from Isaiah chapter 9, the big idea if you're taking notes this morning here, he's not only the king the world needs. Listen, listen. Jesus is the king we want. Do you know that? Jesus is the king we want. Let's, let, let me show it to you. We've read this before, but I want you to see it. Isaiah chapter 9. I'm going to read verses 6 and 7. Are you there? Verses 6 and 7. Here's what it says. For to us a child is born to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Guys, I want to tell you, Jesus is really the king we want. And so I, I want to give you two gospel truths that we see here that are just going to stir your desire for Jesus as our king. Here's one if you're taking notes. Note this. He is given when we don't deserve it. He's given. You see that? Right, right there in the text, verse 6, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is Given. Okay, so if you're like me, um, in the back of your head right now, you're struggling to keep that song from getting stuck in your head from Handel's Messiah. For unto us the child is born. Right? You got it stuck in your head now? You're welcome for that. Um, I know that was kind of awkward. But well, actually, what an, what an awesome gospel truth to have running around in your head that, that God gave us his son. That is the gift of Christmas. And why did he do it? Well, we just read John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he loves us, that you are loved. That's why he did it. But here's what we've got to make clear this morning, okay? Because we're not going to appreciate the story of Christmas unless we get this, that, that God's love for us is not in response to our love for him. God loved us first. 
And, and not because we were so cute and lovable or, or, or because we uh, caught his attention by our performance and, and, and how, how good we've been and, and that we've earned it. Like he's making a list and checking it twice and he knows the ones that have been really trying really hard and doing their best. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible tells us that left to ourselves, we would choose sin over our creator. But despite that, God loved us so much that he would send Jesus to die for us. And when you think about that, you realize, like, man, we don't deserve that. What, what do we deserve? Well, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish. See, that's what we deserve. In our sin, in our rebellion, we actually deserve death. But because God sent his son, we can have eternal life. The problem is if you think that if you think it all just kind of depends on you, then your view of God is going to be some some jolly old man with a beard who owes you or um or 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 maybe like a miserly tyrant who 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 who's just he he's 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 angry all the time and he's got these unfair expectations, he demands too much, but when you look in scripture and see that God gives his son to sinners who don't deserve it, you realize his grace is stunning. And Carissa and I were talking this week as we were thinking about Matthew 2 and what we looked at last week, and, and she just made the observation that um, we're a lot more like the wise men than we think. When, when you think about the Christmas story, I mean, we normally think of ourselves that we kind of associate ourselves with like Mary. The, the ladies do, not, not, not me. Most of us guys, we think about ourselves like the shepherds, right? We're, we're, we would have been rejoicing and worshiping that our Messiah had come. But how many of you are Jewish? Okay, so, so what are these guys doing here? They, the, the wise men don't belong here. They're not from here. They're, they're steeped in this false religion. They don't want God. They don't belong. And in Christ, neither do we. Without Christ, we don't either. The gospel tells us that we would never have sought God on our own. We're living in rebellion and chasing after our sin. But God, he stepped in and he he arrested our attention and he drew us to himself. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. C.S. Lewis said, the son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. You see, the king, Jesus, he's not a king who came to to dominate us like a a tyrant and keep us in uh, forced slavery and oppression. No, in, in his grace, he makes us sons and daughters of the king. Now, that's a king I want. But here's another gospel truth. Not only is he the uh, given when we don't deserve it, but notice this. He is, he is good when we most need it. He's good. He is the king. He is going to rule. Like, look, look at verse 6. It says the government shall be upon his shoulder. He's accepting the responsibility that he is going to be in charge. But come on, be honest, be honest, be honest. How many of you are just a little bit leery of trusting people in political power right about now, okay? Fair enough. So the question is, how do we know that we can trust him as a king? Fair question? Verse 6, look at it. His name actually reveals his character. It tells us who he is. 
Look, look, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. A, a counselor, that word is, means somebody that, that gives advice and, and makes plans and makes decisions. And he's not just a counselor, he's a wonderful counselor. That word uh, is, really means supernatural and unusual. The word is almost always used of God and his work. So what he's saying is our God in his wisdom and his understanding is incomparable. He's not a rookie king learning on the job who's probably bound to make some mistakes along the way. He knows exactly what he's doing. So we better listen to his plan. But, but he's also, he says, a mighty God. So not only is he wise in his plans and he knows what to do, but he's got the power and the ability to carry it out. There, there's no empty campaign promises. There's no disappointing failure. I mean, have you ever seen what God can do? So, so with that kind of wisdom and with that kind of power, that's the kind of king that we want to be in charge. But it just keeps getting better because he's also the uh, uh, wonderful counselor, mighty God, and an everlasting father. Now the world has seen its share of kings who really love the power of the throne because of how it benefits themselves, right? Like when I'm on the throne, I get the perks and the advantages and I collect all the taxes and I get the indulgences and everybody's got to do what I want because I'm in charge. But that's, that's not our king. Our king is a father who loves his sons and daughters and he uses his might and his power for our protection, and he's not too busy or too important for us. In fact, he, he, he welcomes the interruptions from his children when we're in need. In fact, even more, he asks us to come and spend time with him and to cast our cares on him because he cares for us. Listen, he's not a dictator. He's a father. And he loves you. Have you ever had to fear drawing near to his throne in prayer? He wants that. He, he welcomes that. And he's the Prince of Peace. Quite honestly, we've never been able to look to an earthly political figure to bring real and lasting peace to the chaos and the tension of this world. Not even close. And it doesn't take you long. If you flip out your news app, you're going to see it all over on a global scale. You're, you're going to see in our nation's news right now all of the political divides and the uncertainty and the international trade wars and tension between world powers and humanitarian crises all around the world. And not just, not just on a global scale, it, it, sometimes it kind of hits home, doesn't it? Especially around Christmas time, we get all of our families together. Sometimes it just highlights some of the dysfunction and the unresolved conflict that's in our families. And we see brokenness in relationships. And we struggle with our own failures and, and the uncertainty of our future. And, and we're just wondering, like, is there anybody who can bring peace in the midst of this? What he's saying is Jesus is the one who brings us shalom, peace, and prosperity, and eventually the kind of circumstances that we long for. See, there's hope when Jesus is king. Things only get better under his rule and under his reign. And the promise that we have is that when he comes back, our greatest longings are going to be fulfilled. Sound like a king you want? So of the increase of his government, verse 7, and of peace, there will be no end because he's sitting on the throne of, of David. Jesus is of the line of David, meaning he's the Messiah. This is actually a really important promise. 
Because God had told David when he made a covenant with him in 2 Samuel 7, here's what he told David. He said, your throne will be established forever. That's the promise of the throne of David. It's not just for a season, it's forever. In our experience, when we get a good leader in power, when he's really in charge or she has the power, the reality is eventually their term is going to be over or they're going to die. But not Christ. See, once he comes and establishes his kingdom and he sets all things right, it's going to be a storybook ending that goes on for happily ever after. He's an everlasting father and his love will never end. To establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. He always does what is right. Here's what he's trying to tell you. Listen, listen. He's good. And you can trust him. Our hearts long for a king like that. We were actually made to worship him, but now Jesus has done the work to bring sinners back into a a right relationship with our creator so that we would submit to him and his rule. And so in the next couple of days, you're going to be celebrating Christmas. You're going to be reading the Jesus Storybook Bible or reading it out of Luke chapter 2 or seeing some pictures of it. I just want you to remember this. Jesus is the king we want. And now we bow our knee and we submit to his rule and want to submit in obedience to him. And and you're in charge. And we open up our treasures and we give to him like we saw the wise men giving gifts and give him everything because he's worthy. Father, thank you so much for what you accomplished for us at Christmas by sending your son. And we just, we didn't deserve that. And it's been fun for us to spend a little bit of time just remembering and reflecting on what you have done for us and the joy that we have at Christmas. Lord, I, I pray that we would experience a little of that, that peace and the hope and the joy that we have at Christmas as a reminder of what's coming. That when you finally return, you're going to set all things right. And so some of us have experienced some brokenness. There's unresolved tension. There's, there's conflict that we've been living with. But it will not always be so. There's coming the day where you're going to return again. And so we look forward in hope to the return of Christ. And I pray as we gather with our families and, and friends and loved ones, I pray that we would remind one another that the only reason that we can have hope is if we're trusting in Jesus, the only one who can save us from our sins. And we just don't deserve that. But we thank you for your grace and your mercy to us. It's in Christ's name we pray.